Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We are in 2 Peter chapter 2, studying biblical prophecy, and today we're talking about the four identity markers of false prophets and false teachers, the four ID marks of false teachers. Let's read starting 2 Peter chapter 2 and the first verse. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who bring secretly destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their licentiousness, and because of them the way of truth will be reviled. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. From of old their condemnation has not been idle, and their destruction has not been asleep. Our goal here today is just to give you the four markers so that you can identify a false prophet or a false teacher. And the first one is the most difficult because a lot of people think threats, the big threats, come from the outside. Like when Caesar was putting Christians in the Colosseum. Well, There's no deception when that happens. No one's deceived and led astray. And if you happen to stand up for your faith in that situation, you have a straight shot to heaven as a martyr. No, the false prophets and the false teachers, he says, will be among you. In other words, they're going to be people pretending to be Christian leaders, and they wear sheep's clothing. They might even wear clerical vestments, and they will be in the church. That's the hard one to spot, and a lot of people kind of let their guard down. The same thing is that if you go to a classroom and say like you have a unorthodox priest teaching, he could do far more uh, damage than somebody coming in in their hippie clothes from the 1960s. They'd say, well, I kind of expected that, but you don't expect it from someone dressed as a shepherd. And the result of this is, in verse 2, many, many will follow. And many means, again, this These aren't people outside the church. These are people inside the church, many Christians. We say, well, that only applies to Protestants. Well, there's false prophets amongst Protestants, false teachers, and there's false prophets and false teachers among Catholics, and many will follow. And in the first century, there was only the Catholic Church. And the first pope was warning that many Catholics would end up following this. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 2 that they're actually partying uh, with members of the church. They're carousing with you. Okay, so important point number one, uh, the false prophets, the false teachers are in the church. These aren't people outside the church persecuting. There are those. That's not what he's talking about here. Mark number two 
is licentiousness. It says in verse 2, and many will follow their licentiousness, and because of them, the way of truth will be reviled. And he repeats this later on in chapter 2, in verse 14, St. Peter says, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, and hear this, mom and dad, they entice unsteady souls. And I repeat, you need to warn your children that in today's world, like it was in the first century church, and St. Peter begins with, but false prophets also arose among the people. He's talking about the Old Testament, and he goes, there will be false prophets among youth, and that's the first century. And in the 21st century, there are false teachers and there are false prophets, and they have very enticing words, and they entice unsteady souls, particularly youth, and can be led astray. And this doesn't say they're going to peel off one or two percent. When the Bible says very clearly, many will follow them, I believe that word many means many, okay? And this is a very, very serious concern. And then how do they uh, work this out? How do they bring people out? Well, it says in verse 18, for uttering loud boasts of folly. These people today will definitely have microphones, be on social media, and use every means of communication available. And they will entice with licentious passions of the flesh men who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. This is um, the sexual revolution, sexual freedom, promising sexual liberation. And this is the song that they were singing, the false prophets, false teachers in the first century. This is like the last will and testament of our first Pope Peter, and he warns against this. And if it happened in the apostolic churches, do you think that we're somehow immune because we have smartphones and computers and cars? No. The same thing can happen in our day. And the danger is that we don't think so. They're all out there. And no, they come in and one of their marks is licentiousness. So, Point number one, ID number one, they're in the church, okay? Number two, they promote licentiousness. And number three is greed. Sex and money tends to go together with false prophets. And verse three, it says, and in their greed, they'll exploit you with false words. And verse 14, the second half says, they have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. And um, here, people who tell people what they want to hear and then try to um, arm twist and have devious ways to get people's money because you have just said what you want to hear. Now, any counselor worth his or her salt 
So not just make you feel uncomfortable, but get you close to mad. Because when you're close to mad and want to leave, then you should stay and change your life rather than leave. Same thing goes with a preacher or a priest or a radio broadcast or a Catholic conference. There's a host of people who will tell you what you want to hear in the modern world, just like there was in St. Peter's world in the first century. And they want to rake in the money by doing so. Um, anybody worth their salt should have times where they're in, in a gracious possible manner challenge you with the truth because we all need to be challenged in on-course corrections, but no, they'll devise a message you want to hear, and they get lots of money for that, okay? And then St. Peter goes on to warn, and this is very interesting. He, he says, and starting in verse 15, or again, we're in 2 Peter 2, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, who loved gain from wrongdoing. In case you're unfamiliar with Balaam, hang on just a second. Next verse, verse 16, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A dumb ass spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. I mean, there's hilarity here. God enabled an ass to rebuke Balaam. He was heading the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing. He was a false, he was going to be a false prophet, and the dumb ass had more wisdom than its owner prophet Balaam. Uh, around 1400 BC, this is recorded in the book of Numbers, the prophet Balaam was hired, okay, greed. Uh, he was a, a prophet. He was a, a prophet for hire, uh, and he was hired to curse the people of God. And he couldn't curse them. He, you know, he says, it's impossible for me to curse them. And so what he did was devise what I call now the Balaam strategy. Even though he couldn't curse God's people, he arranged for a little free sex party with the Moabite women and the Jewish men. And by leading them into sexual sin, he didn't have to curse them because God's judgment in a very fierce way came upon his chosen people. This is the way he undermined the people of God in the Old Testament. Now, that was 1400 BC. Balaam shows up again and that here St. Peter is warning about the same type of thing is going on in the first century. Why? Well, leading people into sexual sin, telling them what they hear, it's not a big deal, you're not going to go to hell for this, this, or that, and you want to do it anyhow, so go ahead and do it. As a Christian, there's no problem. Uh-uh. And this is what St. Peter was warning about. In fact, Balaam's strategy showed up again in the, in the church at Pergamum, Catholic church at Pergamum, the Catholic church at Pergamum founded by apostles, and yet God had to say, I have a few things against you. This is Revelation 2.14. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. So you see, 1,400 years later, it's the same strategy being used. Why is that? It works so well. Be aware of people who tell you what you want to hear. Now, I've never really believed in 
reincarnation, at least since I've become a Christian, but I have to confess I'm, I'm tempted because I, it's almost like Balaam has been reincarnated in the teaching of some Belgium and German Catholic bishops. They want to change the catechism of the Catholic Church to say that homosexual acts are okay or devising some homosexual union liturgies. They're smart enough not to call them marriage liturgies because then they would get in big trouble, but it's, it's a phony homosexual wedding liturgy. Folks, this is the Balaam strategy. These are false prophets. And yes, um, they come in sheep's clothing, but they are false prophets. And then finally, the last thing, the fourth mark, is denial or twisting biblical prophecy. This is from chapter 3, verse 3. You must understand this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? They deny the second coming, because with the second coming comes the judgment on sin for those who don't repent. So you take care of the second coming, you got sexual liberation, you can bring down the people of God. That was the strategy in the 1400s BC. That was the strategy in the first century. That's the strategy today. Although there's a little devious ways that that's being circumventing eternal judgment today. It's not denying the second coming, but it's denying that anybody will spend eternity in hell. We'll just, can we reasonably hope that all men will be saved and not end up in eternity in hell? And that's very popular today. And you know what St. Peter would say to that with great theological precision? He would say, are you nuts? I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 298 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.